0: This morning, as we open up God's precious Word together, I would like you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And just hold your place there for a few moments. I want to mention a couple of things before we get started this morning in the message. The first thing I want to say, if you'll just indulge me for a a moment, is a pastoral thing. I just want to say how grateful I am to this congregation and the way they came together for the visitation and funeral on Thursday. I am so grateful for all of you. I really am. I just want to say a special, special thank you. I mean we had people starting at four o'clock in the afternoon and then through the service who were greeters and ushers We had people who helped with child care on both Wednesday and Thursday. We had people doing security, people out in the parking lots, helping people to find parking places. We had people, all kinds of people, helping in the kitchen. And we had all kinds of people helping with the setup and takedown for the dinner. And I just want to say to you, that's what the church is all about. And thank you. Thank you for being the church. It was a wonderful display and a wonderful testimony. And and as one of your pastors, I am so grateful to you. Second, different subject. I just want to make you aware of something and we'll be saying a lot more about this over the next four to five Sundays. But internationally known speaker Ravi Zacharias is going to be at the Breslin Center at MSU on Wednesday evening. February 8th at 7.30. All the tickets are free. Um, the reason I tell you about this is this event is being put on by Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. And we were contacted by South Church in Lansing to see if we wanted to be one of the participating churches in the promotion of this. And we said, absolutely, um, we do. So First Baptist is joining with crew and with the other campus ministries at MSU and other area churches in promoting this event. Now, just so you know, we will still have Iwana that night because is on a pretty tight schedule, so uh, we understand that. But for, um, for others, we're really encouraging as many of you as can possibly go to take advantage of this event. Um, Our youth ministry uh, has already committed to going that night. Um, Those in our Bible Institute classes, we're encouraging you to consider not having your class that night and and going over to that event and anyone else uh, who wants to be a part of this. This is my understanding from talking to the pastors at South is that um, they have been trying for years to get him to MSU. Uh, We have seen videos on Sunday nights of him speaking of Ravi Zacharias at other uh, major university campuses. So this is is a long time in the making. Um, I guess it was like a minor miracle that they were able to get this date for the Breslin Center right in the middle of basketball season. Um, So God is really at work here and we wanna do our humble little part as a church in really uh, promoting this not only in our church, but in our community and again you'll be hearing a lot more about that but I wanted to initially make you aware of that because many people have are not aware of it yet well turning to our passage this morning we're looking for the second week in a row at Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 if you were with us last week you know this is part 2 of a three part message Part two of a three-part message. And it is the beginning of a brand new sermon series on being a disciple of Jesus. And what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Last week we looked at the whole thought. What does it mean to say, I am a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to say that Jesus is my master? What does it mean when I say, Jesus is my Lord? What does it mean when I say, take up my, that I am to take up my cross and follow him? And if we are to disciple others, we first need to know what it means in and of ourselves to be disciples of Jesus And last week as we celebrated communion together, we started looking at this passage and we just looked at the first three words, come to me. Come to me and we saw that we don't come to a list of do's and don'ts. We don't come to a set of regulations and rituals and ceremonies. We don't come to a particular religious heritage or a particular denomination. We come to Jesus. That's what salvation is. We come to Jesus. Jesus And in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus, speaking to a great crowd, says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly and hard, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Well, our first point this morning as we continue in this passage is yoke together. To be a disciple means that we give up everything we have to Jesus. We give him our life. The imagery that dominates this particular passage is the picture of a yoke because Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. In the first century, which obviously was a very agriculturally agricultural society, predominantly agricultural society. So you would often see oxen under a yoke. Sometimes it would be a single ox with a wood bar over them somehow tied underneath. And they would be pulling a cart or they would be pulling a plow. And as you walked along the road, as you traveled, you would see this scene on a regular basis and Jesus knew that. But Oftentimes they didn't just use a single ox, they would use two oxen together. They would have a single yoke that went over the two of them as they pulled the cart or pulled the plow. And oftentimes the practice among farmers of that day was to put a strong ox with a weak ox. To put an experienced ox with an inexperienced ox. To put one with great ability with one that had little ability. And so, in that way, the weaker one would be yoked with the stronger one and would learn from the stronger one and would be trained on how to pull the cart or to pull the plow. And let me say to you this morning, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are yoked together with Jesus. There is a Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. And he takes a sinful person, and you are put together with the sinless one who has paid the penalty for all your sins, and he takes all of your sins upon himself, and they are completely and thoroughly paid for. He takes someone who is weak, and they find their strength in Christ. They find He takes someone who has no experience living for God and puts them with the one that God is perfectly pleased with. He takes the one who has no ability and puts them with the one who has all the ability. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, the context here is so significant and so important here. Jesus is speaking to a first century group of Jewish people who are living under a very strict religious system, a rigid religious system. These people of the first century, these Hebrew people, these Jewish people were surrounded by all kinds of teachers of the law. They had scribes and they had Pharisees and they had Sadducees. And they were told that they needed to obey every provision of the Old Testament law. But not only that, they added to that 600 plus more laws that they needed to follow. All kinds of rules and regulations. And their lives were dominated by all the things they were supposed to do. So you had all these rules and all these rules and all these rules. And they became a great weight upon the shoulders of the people. We have a whole culture of people at this point in history who felt heavy loads upon them, who were burdened with those loads and they never measured up and they constantly dealt with feelings of guilt and feelings of shame and feelings of inadequacy because they were never measuring up. And I want you to see the beauty of what Jesus says to them. He says, come to me. All of you, who are burdened under all of these laws and all of these rules and all of these regulations. Come to me, all who, are la- who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. What a message that they heard. What a message that came to those people. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Being a disciple means giving everything we have to Jesus. And that has two major implications that we are going to look at this morning. First and let me share the first one. First and foremost, giving up everything we have to Jesus means giving Him the full weight of our sin. When we give everything to Him, it means giving Him the full weight of our sin. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not bear the weight of your sin anymore. He bore that sin for you completely. He took the full full weight of your sin and nailed it to the cross for all of eternity. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25, the Lord says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sin and remembers your sins no more. God, through his Holy Spirit, speaks these words to you this morning as far as the east is from the west, an infinite distance so far have your sins been removed from you and he remembers your sins no more. This is the beauty. Oh, this is the beauty of the Christian faith. We don't have to bear the weight of our sin anymore. But unfortunately, this is where we tend to stop. Oh yes, on such and such a date, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He took care of all my sin. And we kind of see it As this event that happened in our life, but maybe isn't relevant to what we're going through right now. And I want you to know this morning, He has taken care of the full weight of your sin, not only in the past, but in the present and in the future. He has borne the full weight of your sin. So I want you to know this morning, this is not only true for your salvation or for our salvation, it is also true for everyday Christian life it was never God's intention for you to live a life of guilt and shame and regret and remorse. God never intended us to live our Christian life with constant feelings of failure and shame and never measuring up. You have given to him the full weight of your sin. You have been yoked together with him and have given him the full weight of your sin. And this morning I say to you, if you are walking with the Lord and you are confessing your sins, do not, do not live your life with guilt and shame and regret and feeling like you don't measure up. God never intended you to live that way. Every single day we sin in thought, in word, in deed. And every day we confess to have sweet fellowship with him, but know in that entire process all your sins have been taken care of. You have given to him full weight of your sin. So first and foremost, giving up everything to Jesus means giving, giving him the full weight of our sin. There is a second major implication that leads us to our second thought this morning, Jesus, our power to obey. Second, giving up everything to Jesus means constantly acknowledging that we cannot obey him and live for him in our own human power and strength. Oh, folks, this is one of the most important principles in all of discipleship. We do not have the ability to obey Him and to live for Him in our own human power and strength. We are to acknowledge our complete and utter inability. That is a very important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It is only in His enabling power, it is only by His enabling strength that we are ever able to obey Him. And live for him. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let me have, I have one for the women and one for the men. Ladies, if you are a wife here, maybe you are reading your Bible. And you see in the Bible, or maybe you hear a sermon, or maybe you go to a conference, and you are convicted by Ephesians chapter 5 that you are to submit to your husband as unto the Lord. And you're convicted. That you're not doing that. That you're not letting him be the leader in the home. That you're not letting him be the spiritual leader of your family. And so you determine, I'm going to go home and I'm going to submit to my husband. But as you try to submit, there he goes again. He's a moron. He's just doing all those things he always did. And you're working hard at this. And he doesn't even acknowledge what you're doing. He doesn't even notice what you're doing. And you say, you know what, forget it. I'll just take the leadership role. I'll do the things he's supposed to be doing. You know why you feel that way? Because you can't do it in your own power and strength. You can't just grit your teeth and determine in your mind that you're going to submit to your husband. You know what you need to do? You need to say, Jesus, I can't do this. I don't have the ability in and of myself to do this. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your Holy Spirit loving Him and submitting to Him through me. And God helps you to see that you are called to submit to Him no matter how He reacts. And in the beauty of His infused strengthening power you submit to your husband. Not by your human power and strength, but by His Holy Spirit power in you. Men, you're a husband, and you feel convicted by Ephesians chapter 5. It says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. And maybe you've gone to a conference or maybe you've heard a sermon and you're, I'm going to go home and I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love her. You determine in your heart, I'm going to love her as Christ loved the church. But you go home and you know what? Nothing changes. She doesn't respect you. She doesn't submit to you. She says things that hurt you. And you say, forget it. I wonder how many of you have ever said that. Forget it. I can't do this. In that moment, remember, you're right. You're right. You can't. Men, you cannot in your own power and strength. It is not possible for you to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So you surrender. You humble yourself. You submit yourself. Say, Lord, I can't do this. I don't have the ability to do this. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your Holy Spirit loving her through me. I need your Spirit causing me to love her. And so you resolve, I will love my wife as Christ loved the church, no matter how she reacts. No matter how she reacts. You see, Jesus is saying to these dear people to whom he's talking, You've got the weight of the law on your shoulders and I have come to completely fulfill the law for you. Jesus is saying, come to me because without me you will never be able to obey God and you will never be able to please God. Many Christians have subtly taken it upon themselves to try and live the Christian life on their own. The heart of the Christian faith is what I just described for you. It is daily surrender. It is daily submission. It is passionately pursuing Christ with your whole heart, mind, and strength. It is walking with Him. But instead, we have these outward measurements that we pursue instead of that. We say, and if we're honest, this is what we say. We say, if you're a good Christian then you will pray, you will study your Bible, you will share the gospel, you will watch decent movies, you won't smoke, you won't use profanity, and you won't do all the things the world does. And so we try to do all those things. Now, please don't misunderstand me this morning. All of those things are good things. But those are outward measurements that we use with each other and and we use with ourselves. And if we don't do enough if we're not doing all those things all the time, we feel like God isn't pleased with us. We feel like God doesn't love us as much. And we feel like God's not going to bless us. We have this sense that God is disappointed with us. Because we're not doing all those outward things that we're supposed to do. It's a busy morning. Have a hard time getting the kids around you don't get to do your devotions, you don't get to pray, you walk out the door and you think it's going to be a bad day. You ever think that? Oh, didn't do my devotions. Oh, I didn't have my time of prayer. And again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not in any way minimizing the importance of our devotional time with God. Excuse me. But if we don't do those things, all of a sudden, we think God's not going to bless us. It's going to be a bad day. And so maybe we shoot up a quick prayer in the car or on the way to work or whatever we're doing, and because we feel this obligation that we've got to do this list of things or, or God won't be pleased with us or God will love us less or God won't bless us. There are a number of different ways that we can look at legalism, but let me give you a definition of legalism this morning. Legalism is living as if you can earn the grace and forgiveness of pleasure and pleasure of God with your personal performance. Legalism is living as if you can earn the grace and forgiveness and pleasure of God with your personal performance. So we're trying to perform for God. We're trying to jump through all the hoops that we think God wants, to, wants us to jump through. And let me say this morning, this isn't a first century, or isn't only a first century problem. This is a 21st century problem. It is a problem that even pastors fall into and missionaries can fall into. We believe that the blessing of God is somehow based on our daily performance each and every day. I want to tell you some good news this morning. The whole point of the Christian faith is that our best human efforts will never be good enough. The whole point of the Christian faith is that our best human efforts will never be good enough. You can't will your way to live for Christ in your own power and strength. One of the Puritan preachers once said this, a wonderful quote, even the tears of our repentance need to be washed in the blood of Jesus. Don't try to please God by how many tears you shed or how emotional you get. Nothing wrong with tears. Tears are wonderful. Lots of tears were shed Thursday night. Lots of emotion was expressed, but it needs to be a Holy Spirit-led tears and a Holy Spirit-infused brokenness and repentance. In essence, what Jesus is saying here is that you spend your entire life trying to measure up. You spend your entire life trying to follow the law. You spend your entire life trying to do the right thing in your own human strength, and you fall short every time. And so you find yourself living with guilt, living with frustration, and living with shame, and living as if you just don't measure up. And I want to say to you this morning, stop fighting the battle because you will never win. Stop fighting the battle in your own human power and strength because you will never be able to win. But here, here is the encouragement. Here is the good news. Here is the wonderful news. Excuse me. Praise God. He has already won the battle for you. He has already won. Folks, the battle's already been won. It's being yoked together with Him. It's living out our identity in Christ. It is living in the power of Christ that is already ours because we're yoked together with Him. In our Bible Institute class for men on on Wednesday evenings, we're studying about victory in spiritual warfare. And the whole book is based on one sentence. The entire 18 chapters is based on one sentence. You are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. You are not fighting to gain some victory. You are fighting because the victory has already been won for you. You are living in the victory that is already yours in Jesus Christ. And it is a daily yielding, a daily surrender, a glad and joyful submission to him each and every day that his power, his strength, and his joy might well up within us. Let me say to all of us this morning, you don't have to measure up to the law because Jesus measures up to the law. You don't have to try and earn God's favor because Jesus already has God's complete favor and approval. You don't have to live a performance-based Christian life hoping that God will be pleased with you because Jesus has already clothed you in his own righteousness. You don't have to go out there and perform. You don't have to go out there and jump through hoops hoping that God will be pleased with you because I'm telling you, He's pleased with you. He is pleased with you because you are clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ Himself. Oh, let me say to each and every one of us, the Christian life is a life of surrender. It is a life of yielding. It is a life, as I said, of glad and joyful submission. Oh, I want every single one of us here to know when God looks at you right now, he is not disappointed in you, but he sees you and delights in you. I want you to know that. Whatever you're feeling, whatever this week has brought for you, I want you to know that when God looks at you, he is not disappointed. When he sees you, he delights in you. Let us bring this all together with this. God doesn't delight in you because of your human efforts. He delights in you because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, his son. God doesn't delight in you because of your human efforts. He delights in you right now because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus speaks to this great crowd. And they are carrying this heavy burden. The weight of the law in all of the things the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law, the scribes have added and they're carrying this weight. And here we are today. And we often carry our own guilt, shame, regret for sins that have already been taken care of, for sins that have been forgiven Jesus says to them, and he says to all of us here today, come to me. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let's pray together. Father, help us to live in the victory that is ours in Christ. Help us To live in the freedom that is ours in Christ. Oh, thank you that we are yoked together with Jesus. Help us every day to willingly submit, to willingly surrender, to willingly look to you for all of our strength, all of our power. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.